Welcome to this teaching from Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas. Calvary Chapel Divine is just a casual church for everyone. We meet in a common place and we just simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the things that we do emphasize is the sun, salt, and light. We want you to know and grow in the sun, Jesus, but be the salt and the light in this world. If you'd like to get more information on the church, we meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can either come in person or watch online, but you can also submit a prayer request. Or if you have any questions about the church at all, you can just go to our website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 is where we're at. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 1 through 12. And we're actually in, uh, I have entitled this Revived, uh, Revived by the Word of God. Revived by the Word of God. So, um, as I was saying, I, I, I guess the mic, we've been having some issues with this. I, I'm going to replace this thing. Uh, so we're having a little bit of issues with the, uh, the board that we have. And so hopefully this coming Sunday I can find one that has a little more buttons that we would enjoy messing with. And, and we could have things hooked up to where we don't have to move things around as much. Um, and so we'll, we'll try to work on that. Um, I want to welcome you to Calvary Chapel Divine. Uh, for those that you are online and for those that are here, let's go ahead and pray and all, because I know I'm frazzled at this point. So let's, let's go ahead and go to the Lord and do that. Uh, Father God, we do come before you, Lord, and we do pray. We ask you, Father God, just to be with us as we're in your word. Um, we know all this tech stuff that, that happens. It's, it, it, the most important thing is that we're in your word, uh, that we come here prepared and ready to hear from you. Um, these things happen, and it's just part of ministry. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for, I thank you for Wayne just coming and checking it, and uh, just the help that we have for Sarah being here. We pray for their business. We pray for Marcus's business. We pray for the uh, the businesses here in Divine, uh, I know many of them are needing employees. Um, and, and so, Lord, we pray that you would begin to tug on the hearts of those that may be at home uh, to start going out and looking because there are many jobs here in Divine, Natalia and, uh, and Lytle that need to be filled. And so we uh, hopefully as everybody starts to get back to work and get back to doing uh, life again that uh, that these businesses especially our small businesses that uh, that they would have the help that they need uh, we pray for this city we pray for our nation uh, we pray also just Lord that we would be attentive to your word as we look at revival that uh, tonight we're going to be uh, we're going to see a revival recorded in the Bible a revival of uh, of, of, a, of the people of Israel that are revived by your word and so we pray, Lord, that we can glean off of it and learn from it and apply it. And we just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, real quick, if this thing glitches, because I think we're having, we may be having problems with the Wi-Fi. Don't worry about it. It's recording, and, and I can lo we'll load it up later. So if you get part of it or something happens and it gets dropped, don't worry. I'll have it loaded up tomorrow. And also, that's the whole point of, and the audio is always available the next day. So, even if we lose audio here, I'll go back and re-record the sermon if I have to, because that's just that's just the way it is right now. Um, but we uh, we thank y'all so much for tuning in. So, last week what we saw is we as we went through 73 verses. Uh, last week we saw um, in in Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 5. 
we saw that, that Nehemiah had it put on his heart by God to actually uh, do a genealogy and assemble the nobles and officials as he did it. And, uh, and so this week what we see is the wall's done, the labor's done, they spent 24 hours uh, a day at times protecting themselves, protecting the city, protecting the wall, and now all of that is complete, and, and we're at the point now where uh, God is ready to do the work on the inside of the wall. And so we see a transition, and this chapter is actually a huge transition uh, in the book, uh, because what happens now is everything becomes about the heart of the people. And, and it's really to remind us, too, as, as we look at a great awakening or we remember the great awakening that happened in our nation uh, when, when we had a huge revival and, and they actually used to do prayer meetings for Congress uh, and all that wonderful stuff, um, is, is we're in a place now where we're, we're in a need of another great awakening. And, and as we talk about revival, one of the biggest things that we need to to take from it is revival is not for an unbeliever revival is for the believer God is trying to revive the believer uh, you know and, and at the end of the day our nation used to be a nation that when Congress would come together the first Congress actually had a prayer meeting not an opening prayer I mean this last Congress we had I think in the 117th uh opening of the Congress, they had somebody go up and, 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 and uh, go ahead and give a prayer to a Hindu God at our Congress. Um, and, and we also had the Missouri, and this is what's sad, is this was actually a pastor. A pastor, and I, I'm sure y'all remember this, when they said, you know, a man or a woman. Uh, and so we, we see a need for a revival definitely in our country but revival again starts with the church and revival happens when there's a spiritual decline we see that uh, when there's division uh, we know that that's happening you have the vaccine non-vaccine mask non-mask uh, left or right politics and all of that's happening in the church you see a decline in, in marriages and decline in family uh, and, 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 and at the same time, you see uh, just the passion of the Lord not there for many believers. And we saw that in 2020 as many people just fell away from the church. They just left and never came back. And those are the ones that God is trying to revive. Revival is, is simply a result of when God shows us that there's something in our life that's not the same when we first came to Christ. Maybe a sin, maybe the passion, uh, maybe you know you have this just this divisive spirit that you're constantly fighting with people. You know it, whatever it is, you know it's it's a revival that needs to happen in us. And so when we look at verse one in Nehemiah chapter eight, it says, and this is beautiful because. As we look at these verses, one of the things that we see is we see the first look of, of a church. We see a pulpit. You know, we're going to see them gathered together. Uh, and it says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square uh, before the water gate. 
And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So the first thing we see that we need to address is Nehemiah is not in this, right? In the opening verse, this is the first time that Nehemiah is not involved. He steps back and lets Ezra take the lead. And this is very important because as a leader, one of the things that we've seen up to this point, we've seen Nehemiah as a man of prayer. We've seen Nehemiah as a leader who knows the Word of God. Uh, and, and at the same time, he steps back and allows Ezra to do what Ezra needs to do, which is to read the Word of God. And a lot of times we won't do that in church. We, we want to be in front. One of the things I <laughs> that I always remember is like every, everybody, and in, in, if you've been on the, everybody wants to be on stage, either teaching or being on the thing. That's, that's what people desire a lot of times. I mean, I, I've seen it, you know, it's, it's like nobody wants to serve in the back doing sound. Nobody wants to, you know, be a door greeter. Most of them want to, and, and I've seen people, one of the things I love is our, our pastor used to, or uh, worship leader used to actually go, okay, well, sing for me. Just right there in front of everybody, just sing. And if they couldn't do it, they were like, you're not ready. You know, you need to, you need to practice, you need to come back and, and ask the Lord to help you. And, and so one of the things we do is we need to step back at times. Uh, we live in a, in a culture right now, even in our, in our Christianity, that's very self-absorbed. Uh, you know, we're self-centered, we're, we're self-absorbed, we're self-controlled. And, and one of the things that we see is there's actually something called narcissistic personality disorder. And it has gone crazy now. Actually, since 1982, it's three times higher now. It's three times higher than when, when they tested them in 1982. So anyone in their 20s to 65 are, 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 are dealing with some type of, uh, are most likely dealing with some type of narcissistic type uh, problem and so and, and and our college students are as well that they scored the highest so those that are born in 2009 to 1982 58 percent of the college students scored higher than those in 1982 they scored higher in 2009 so 58 percent of the class had narcissistic personality disorder why phones social networks it's about me Right. Forty percent of millennials believe, and this was crazy, regardless of their performance, they, they should be promoted or be given a reward at work. They should be given a raise regardless of what they do. Forty percent. And we see this as being a problem in our culture today because we see people that have a struggle. They 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 want to be. They wanted to be about them. And that was not how Nehemiah was. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are, are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so there's a civil war happening in the Christian. Right? The flesh and the Spirit. And, and, and one of them is trying to win. And the choices that we make by stepping out in faith should be guided by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. We are to crucify ourselves daily. Right? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Who's driving your decisions? You or God? See, when we, when we allow ourselves to be put in a circle and we move God out, or we decide, I know probably one of the easiest things to think about is if, if God is driving and you say, no, I need to drive now, you can get in the back. That becomes a self, you're, you're really making decisions based on yourself. And we've seen this before because Jacob did it in Genesis chapter 32, verses 25, when he wrestles uh, with Jesus. And, and it says, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip went, was put out of place or put out of joint and he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. And so one of the things we have to ask ourselves, is it time to tap out? Right? Because you're wrestling with God. See, when we're, when we're trying to drive the car, we're wrestling with the Lord at that point. When we're trying to make the decisions based upon what I want and what my needs are, that's when we're self-absorbed. And we want self-control. And, and that can be just self-destruction, really, at the end of the day, because that's what it leads to. And in John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Who abides in me and I in him? He it, it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Zero. You can't do anything apart from the Lord. That's one of the things that, that I loved about Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew this. He was a man of godly character. He was a man who knew the Word and was always led by the Spirit. He said, God put it on my heart to do a genealogy. What did he do? He didn't say, no, I don't think we really need a genealogy, God. I got this other thing I want to work on. No, he did the genealogy because God put it on his heart. See, God is not impressed with your abilities or your qualities. He don't need you. I found that out as soon as I left my church. People stepped in in place. God does not, we're not that important. He wants you to be a part of the ministry. He wants you to contribute. But He wants you to leave your pride and your selfishness behind. That's one of the things that, that I think is really hurting the church today. It's like we're, we're not willing to do John 3.30, which is He must increase, but I must decrease. I need to decrease. They need to learn more about God than, than about me. And that's what Nehemiah does. He's like, hey, you know what? This is Ezra's thing. I'm going to step back and let Ezra do what he needs to do. And that's what he does. So a revival means that the Christian is revived because they have gotten into a place of stagnation or non-movement as a believer. And, and we've lost the thing that brought us to the Lord, which is that, that love for God, that appreciation of, of wanting to be holy, the passion for His Word, the passion to be in church, the, 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 to actually repent and want to grow. 
and live in righteousness. But you know, the Holy Spirit can revive all that. We forget that. Like, we're, we're at a point right now in our country where we're either going to revive or we're going to fall further away. We have to stop serving self and start living for Christ. We see the people, they're gathered at the water gate, in front of the water gate, longing to hear God's word. And that's what the water gate, the, the water represented the word. We need to be here at his feet, ready to hear the word. And I love one of the things that stood out to me. It says, and all the people gathered as one man. And I was like, what is the translation for that in the Strong's Concordance? Because there are men and women here. Right? You know what the translation is? And for us who are Calvary Chapel, we'll get this. Whosoever's. That's actually the translation. It's whosoever. So, you know, all the people are gathered, whosoever, into the square before the water gate. That, uh, to me, was awesome because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, God is wanting everyone to come. Everyone to be cleansed and to hear His Word. That's where everything begins is, is through His Word. We're going to find that out this week. You know, as we're in the book of Mark and Jesus is in the home and Jesus is actually preaching the Word. And one of the things that I remember is, you know, when they, they had no room, they couldn't fit any more people in. And, and one of the things I remember is when my wife came to know faith, the people that lived next door to my mother-in-law, I was stationed in Hawaii. She was having, after she had, I'm trying to think what child it is. When you have so many kids, you got to try to remember it's harder. But it was after uh, the last order. So we had five kids, so it would have been number four. Uh, so when child number four was born, she started having some issues with um, postpartum. And so we flew her back, and, and she stayed with mom for a while. And the people next door, now Teresa grew up Catholic, devout Catholic, catechism school, the whole nine yards. And the people next door were believers in Christ and were holding Bible studies at their house because guess what? The community, the neighborhood needed it. They just held Bible studies. And her sister, her brother, and her got saved in that, in that house because somebody opened up the word opened up their house and shared Christ with them. And one of the things we were just talking about on the way over here was Teresa said, you know, in her mom's house, there was so much chaos. And that's how our house was too before we came to know the Lord. It was chaos. But she said when they would go next door to Ray and Alma's house, it was so peaceful. That was God. That was God being revered in that home and God's word being preached in that home and the people that were in the home living for Christ. And so for us, we need to be having that same desire to see our community and our neighborhood and and the people around us to know Christ and to hear the word of God because it's God's word that that actually does the cleansing. It's, It's, you know, one of the things that we need to remember. John 15, 3 says... Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. As husbands and wives, we're supposed to wash our wives with the word of God. And I think this is where many men struggle because they don't. And I'm not saying you need to set a time aside to have a Bible study, but I'm saying you should be talking about the word of God in the home constantly. Right? 
hey, did you, I read this, did you, you know, that sort of thing. This scripture really spoke to me today, you know. And, and Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify her, have, having cleansed her by the washing in the water with the word. Me and my wife, actually, we have our own readings that we do, and then we actually do a reading together as a couple. And she, it's, you know, she has her on her phone. I have mine on my phone. We read it separately. But when we talk about it sometime in the day, like today I was reading about how, and this is sad, but how in Jeremiah they were so afraid, the fathers were so afraid of what was coming, the judgment of God, that they, they abandoned their kids and run. They left their kids. They just took off in fear and I was like oh my god I said how could you do that but it you know it, again men need to that's one of the things that we're uh, called to do is to lead the home and and part of us leading the home is being somebody who's devout to the word of God because we can't we can't lead it without God's word if not we're just we're just flying by the seat of our pants at that point <laughs> and and that's not going to work and that was one of the things that I love about being in God's word, like if you want to be revived by God's word, one of the things that's going to show you how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how your kids are supposed to be, and, and how the kids, the kids can learn how to respect mom and dad and, and, and be able to have their relationship with God and, and just how important all that stuff is. And if we're going to be fruitful trees, we got to be in the word. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And, and on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf uh, does not wither. And all that he does, he, he prospers. And so one of the things we need is just that clear understanding and having God's word. And I love this because all of this stuff that's happening as they bring the word of God out is at the per it's perfect timing because it's going to be right at the Feast of Trumpets and the atonement of the Feast of the Tabernacle. So as the Word of God is coming out, it's so when they have the Feast of Tabernacles, it's to deal with their sin. And the wall was done in perfect timing. We see in verse 2, it says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who can understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. So youth can be in teaching they should be in teaching if they can understand this is why in calvary chapel we teach the word of god all the way from children's to to us you know and and we see both men and women so where were the kids the little ones had to have some kind of children's ministry or something going on right in order for them to be able to be there both men and the women to, in the assembly to hear the word of god and so one of the things that we see in this verse is we see worship. Now, undoubtedly, most of the times when we think of worship, we think of music, right? And, and you ask somebody about worship, and they'll tell you something about the, the song styles or the instruments. Uh, but one of the things when you read the, the Psalms, you actually see the heart of the worshiper. And it talks primarily in the Psalms about the presence of the Lord. It's not about the lights. It's not about the, 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 all the different instruments. I mean, all that stuff is great. But if it doesn't 
put us into the presence of the Lord, what are we doing? And, and so we've gotten to the point where, sadly, we, we've become concert venues more than worship. I love just simple acoustic. I, I think at the end of the day, it's one of the things, you know, that we need to get back to. You know, I, I think sometimes we can overdo the lights and the stuff and the, you know, um, and, and even I'll hear some people do drum tracks and stuff. Like there's no drums on stage or something. And I'm like, it's like Millie Vanilli. It's like, what's going on? I would rather you just get somebody on the cajon or something, right? <laughs> do something, right? But at the same time, that's not just worship. See, worship is actually to usher us into the Word. And that's worship. Um, and so that's why when we skip worship or we come in late from worship, see, we're not there because, oh, that, I, I'm going to go to that church because they got the best worship leader. They can sing, sing, right? I think that's what's happening right now uh, with, um, oh, I'm trying to think of Stephen Furtick's thing with Torrin Wells. That's, everybody's there to see Torrin Wells lead worship. And it, it's like a concert venue. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, Steve, Steve is a dynamic speaker. But the Word of God is not the primary focus. The presence of God is not the primary focus. It's like when we, when we make it about that, the Holy Spirit's left out of worship. We're, we're supposed to be ushered into the Word of God. We're supposed to be ushered into uh, us in the presence of God. But that means us getting out of our way. And letting God do the work that he needs to do. I always tell people, you know, I, when I teach, I, I always pray, you know, Lord, you do the, I, I need to just get out of your way. Let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting because that's what's going to happen. I just make sure I put the time in to prepare and read and be ready to teach the word because it's God's word that's going to change people. It's, it's nothing else. That's why when you counsel somebody, or you're, you're, you're spending time with somebody, having a word from the Lord, a scripture or something that you can give to them is such an important thing because that's going to do more than your advice or your counseling. It's God's word. Verse 3 says, And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. So uh, six hours of, of church. Now, I grew up, I remember when, when I was little, little, I, we went to Baptist Church. Baptist Church, we did two children's ministries. And then we went home around 1 o'clock. And so I, I get that. Um, but I don't think people could do this today. They freak out when you go past 40 minutes. Right? But think about it. How long, how many of us saw Avengers? Did y'all see Avengers? You, see, you don't have, I don't know. Okay, right, end games, two, two hours and 40 minutes. Do you know how long the director's cut's going to be? But you'll probably sit through it, right? You'll probably watch it in two sittings or something, you know, just to see what was left on, left out. So we should be able to sit and be in the Word of God or be able to sit in church and, and be ready to, uh, to be in the Word. So... Early morning to midday, about six hours, in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand it, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. 
you know, that's all we desire when, when people come in is just that their hearts can settle, that you can leave everything that's, that's the struggles that you're going through that week, the struggles that you're going through that day, that you can just come in and be in the presence of God's Word and that your ears will be attentive. Uh, yeah, it, and, and so at the end of the day, that's why, you know, we want to teach in a way, too, that people understand. Um, we're not trying to uh, make our church a, comp- a country club where it's just feel-good speeches and all, but, you know, what we're wanting to do is, is to draw people into the Word of God to where they, they are changed when they leave that they can take something and apply it in their life. And that's actually something that we should do in our daily reading. In Amos chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, if we answer that question, is that happening today? Yeah, it is. We have, we have a, a famine and a, I would say even, uh, I remember as kids when we grew up it was reading. You know, making sure everybody could read. That's not even an issue today, I don't think, as much. That was a big deal when we grew up. Maybe it was in the South more, but it was a big deal for us, right? But now, you know, one of the things I think about is how, how many Christians are illiterate because they don't spend time in God's Word. And what I mean is they don't actually try to read it. There's a famine. It says in Amos chapter 8, verse 12, they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east they shall run from to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. You know, that's the last thing that we need as Calvary Chapel is for somebody to come into a Calvary Chapel and not be able to find the word of God because that is not how we, we were brought up. Calvary Chapel is a verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and, and we want to make sure. And I mean, there's going to be times when we have subjects that you may not agree with, but it's God's Word. We're going to give you God's Word. We don't try to do a lot of topical teachings because we're not trying to adapt our teachings to the times. We go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So if I talk to you about gender, it's because that's what I have to deal with for that week when I'm teaching my scripture. And a lot of times people, I've had people, and this is go back to the self-absorbed thing. I've had somebody, I, I worked on that study for over a, probably four weeks, first Sunday I ever taught, and I had somebody come up to me and say, you, you did that sermon just for me because you knew what was, I was like, I had no, I don't know what's going on in your life, bro. It's like we're that self, like the, you think the pastor came up with, no, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's the Word of God. That's why we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, right? But we do have a famine that's happening, unfortunately, right now. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, we know this for sure. For the time is coming when people uh, will not endure a, a sound teaching, but have itching ears, and they will accum- accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You know what? These things will let you suit, you know, you can find exactly who you want to listen to. And, and you know, if you want, if you want to have a, a pastor that strokes your ego and makes you feel good, you can find it on, online very easily. 
But I can tell you guys that I've listened to, David Rosales or Mike McIntosh, they don't do that. They teach you the Word of God and they just give it to you. And that's what they do. And, and, and we need that still today. As biblical teachers of the Word of God, we need to have a biblical worldview and, and we need to stay, keep our, our, the people and God hungry and, and give them the Word. They're starving for it. They're starving for it. That's how revival begins. Verse 4 says, And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform and that they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood, and then there's a list of names there, and I'm not going to do that to you and all, but the, what we see is we see the prominent pulpit and him at the center in the Word of God. We see the prominent pulpit and him at the center in the Word of God. In verse 5 it says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he stood, opened it, and all the people stood in reverence to the Word of God. Now you all understand why we have you stand on Sunday. It's in reverence to God's Word. Psalm 119.37 says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. See, we need to stop looking at the vanities of this world and start looking to God's Word. Uh, the things that we look at, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, for all of that is uh, in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but, from, uh, but is from the world. And so those are the three things that people struggle with. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Psalm 119, 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous the things out of the law. See, we have the privilege of actually being able to come into His Word and, and be able to, to read it. And, and that reverence should happen from that. Nehemiah 8, verse 6 says, And Ezra uh, blessed the Lord, the great God. See, that's the adoration, right? The adoration. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. This is why people lift their hands up in worship, right? And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They had great respect. This, you you got to go back to Joshua. Remember Joshua said to meditate on the Word day and night? He told them this. And by the time we get to Judges, after one generation, they fell away from the Word. So go back all the way to Joshua, and now we, here we are with Nehemiah, and they're coming back to God's Word. They're coming back to worship, and, and they're, they're, they're at the same time, God is dealing with the people of, of Israel now and bringing them back to a right relationship with Him. But I love they say, Amen, Amen. And so worship, you know, it's not about who sings the loudest, but it's about bowing the lowest. They, they fall to their knees in, in worship. And we see in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 7, we see a list of names there in the very end, and these are the Levites. It says the Levites helped them or helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. You have to understand that the words were translated in Hebrew to make something distinct. And they, these are Jews that have been, and some of them grew up in a Babylonian culture. 
And, and this is why it's important for us as men to be able to be there to answer questions that our kids may have about the Word of God. It's important for mom and dad to be able to go, this is what this means. Or to be honest and go, I don't know what it means, but I, I need to look it up and I'll, I'll get back with you. We don't have all the answers all the time. And we need to let them know that because they, they're going to get to stuff in the Bible and go, what? And go, you know what? Well, let me, let me look at it and let's, let's look at it together so you can understand it. Because I want you to understand it. You see the words understand and understood like six times. And it's important for us to be able to understand God's Word. And I love the fact that they were there to make sure the translation of the Scripture, that they understood it. And that's what we're supposed to do even in church on Sunday. You know, how, did you, what did you get from the service? Well, you know, I, I understood this part, but I didn't understand this. And, and you talk about it. It's important to do that. But it's also important for us to help others to understand the Word of God, to understand the text, um, and, and to, to where we actually have personal application. That's what we want. We want you to be able to understand it to apply the Word. So what would be your application tonight, right? It would be about application of applying the Word to read it. Acts chapter 8, verse 31 says, and, and we know this and, and, uh, when Philip goes and he's called to minister to one person in Acts chapter 8. You can read the story there. But remember what it says in verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Right? Unless someone guides me. I need help to understand this. I heard about Jesus, but I don't understand this scripture. And Philip sits down and explains it to him. In verse 8 it says, They read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Everybody's understanding. And then Nehemiah, who was the governor, so now we see Nehemiah mentioned, right? And Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. There was a stirring of emotions because they haven't heard the word of the law. It brought conviction to their heart. And we talked about that song about repentance. You know, it, it was a place of repentance. They were touched by the word of God. And that happens to us sometimes as we're reading the Word of God or we're sitting in service, we're convicted. In Psalm 19.8, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So the Word of God actually illuminates those dark situations and it actually helps you to understand through His Word the direction that you're supposed to go. It also brings us joy in Psalm 119, 11, uh, 111. It says, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. He, we, we have that true repentance. We're wanting to be in God's Word, and we find joy in it. It also shows us the things that we need to do as we're grieving sin. In Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in the sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So we read about the law of God, and we come to the place of understanding sin and needing repentance. 
In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says, If we confess uh, our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. We confess our sins. You know, maybe something in the, when you're reading the Word of God, it exposes something. Uh, uh, maybe you spoke to somebody in a way that you shouldn't have. Maybe there's a bad habit or something that's a sin that needs to be dealt with. And that's what the Word of God does. It brings you to a place of, of, of forgiveness and repentance. It says in verse 10, it says, Then He said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet wine. And send the portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the people were sad uh, because of their sin. But he tells them this day is holy. They're going to deal with sin when they get to chapter 9. They're actually going to confess it. Right? But this day is holy. And, and uh, the people, one of the things I love is he says, send portions to, to anyone who has nothing ready. So right off the bat, he says, hey, take care of those that don't have anything. Help them. Because this day is holy. And that's, that, to me, just reminds us of how we're supposed to love our neighbors and be there for them. And so our, their emotions were there. And, and one of the things that's going to happen is they will deal with the sin when they get to chapter, chapter 9. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 11, it says, So the Levites calmed all the people and say, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And God's word will bring us joy. And, and that joy is based on the forgiveness of sin. And, and that's why Jesus uh, going to the cross, dying for our sins, is, is so important. It's, it's understanding that the Bible takes our eyes off of us. Right? It takes our eyes off of us. The, the secret gets revealed when we're in the Word of God. You think that you're, the thing that you're doing is not being seen by God, and yet when you go to God's Word, it's revealed. Right? And we delight in being in the Word of God. And Psalm 119.16 says, I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your Word. When we delight in a statue, we may, that means we actually... We, we're, looking and digging for the word of God Psalm 119 162 says I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoils right we're, we're, we're studying God's word we're applying God's word in our life daily and finally in verse 12 it says and all the people went their, their way uh, to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that declared to them and so the walls were surely built but uh, the walls were not the thing it was actually what was happening inside the walls that was important that's what happens in here that's what God cares about it's the heart in James chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 and we'll close out here it says but the doers of the word and not hearers only Deceive, uh, deceiving yourself but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks intently at his, uh, at his natural face in a mirror 
for he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and the perseverance, being no hearer for, uh, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I love that because the law of liberty, we have freedom in Christ. You know, we, it, it, right now, you're the rebellion, right? You don't fit into the society because you're a believer in Christ, Right? And, and at the end of the day, we're dealing with the time. Uh, I, I've heard Greg Laurie talk about it because he's talked about the 60s. And, you know, he talked about the Jesus movement in the book that he did. And one of the things that he talked about, he's, he's never seen a time like this again. Like it's, it's primed and set like the gasoline's on the fire and the revival's ready to go. But are the people of Christ going to be revived by God's word? And so what is our application? Is there something in your life that needs revival? Maybe it's your time in the Word. We talked about being moved to pray this past weekend, right? Being moved to compassion. You know, maybe some of those things need to be revived. Maybe even confessing sin. I love what Billy Sunday said this about revivals. He said uh, uh, when somebody asked him about revival, he said no Neither does a bath, but it's good to have one occasionally. Because he asked about when, when's the next revival going to happen. And he's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, we need to have them. They just can't be occasionally. They need to happen. And it's been a while since we've had a revival in the United States. Right? Since the 60s, late 60s. And we need to see that because we have a generation right now that is unfortunately dealing with a lot of things that we never dealt with. And they're going to be looking for truth later. You know, as they get older in their 20s and stuff, they'll start looking for truth. As they get into their 30s and 40s, they're going to be like, man, I, I put all my stock into this. And it, you know, you get older and you start asking those questions. And you, we need to be there ready to answer. And, but you know what it takes? It requires us to be steadfast. It requires us to actually live a life that's a, a life of a believer. So sometimes the revival, it needs to start in you. The other thing that we get from this scripture is how is your time in the Word? Okay? Is that being neglected? Because the first time I counsel somebody, the first thing I ask them is, where are you at in your reading? And, oh my Lord, sometimes it's really tough because they're, they're like, uh... Uh, and you know they, they didn't read today. And then they're like, well, when was the last thing you read? It was like three weeks ago or four weeks ago or I just got upset and I stopped reading the Word. You know, and, and it's like we need, to, we need to place a reverence on our time with God. As we talked about being moved to pray, the other thing we need to be moved to do is to be in God's Word. If you say that the Word of God is too hard to read, John fourteen twenty six says, uh-uh. But the Helper and the, uh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So God will teach you. Pray and ask God to help you. Right? It, it's, I, I love being able to bring you the Word, but you have to do it the other six days of the week. That's on you. 
And so that, that's the quickest thing to stop a revival is not being in the Word, not being in prayer. And some people will say the Bible's too boring. I, I, there's some crazy stuff in the Bible. There's some really good... <laughs> I mean, there's some good stuff. Just read the story of Jesus, right? You see sin people dealing with sin problems and, and, and I mean, nations fight nations. It's amazing. It's all part of God's, you know, God's Word, and it all points to one person, Jesus Christ. And Philemon 1, uh, 6 says, uh, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. We want you to come to a place of full knowledge and, and, and understand that the Bible is not too hard to apply. That's another thing that people struggle with. They'll say, well, it's too hard for me to apply the Bible. I don't know how to apply the Bible. When God reveals something, don't put it off. If he says this has to go, don't put it off. It has to go. Right? Don't settle for, for spiritual mediocrity. That, that's, that's what's going on right now, and that's what's causing... You know, the biggest thing with the church right now is, is, is we're, we're seeing just people just happy with being at church on Sunday and Wednesday. And there's no spiritual growth beyond that. And so, you know, one of the things that's going to help you grow is being in God's Word, being in prayer, being in fellowship, coming back to church. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.